0: Hello, comedy fans. Neil Brennan is a comedian, writer, and director who is once again taking part in Moon Tower Comedy Festival. He will actually be at the Stateside Theater on April 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. Go to MoontowerComedyFest.com to grab those tickets or badges. Neil, thank you so much for the time. How are you doing today? I'm good, Trey. How about you, man? Doing great, thank you. So you're a regular participant of Moon Tower. I feel like I see you in town from time to time, away from April as well. What is it that you love about performing in Austin, Neil?
1: Uh, Austin, a friend of mine described Austin as, uh, they, he said, Austin is to Texas what Israel is to the Middle East. <laughs> uh, it is an oasis. Uh uh or it's it's different let's say it's different than the rest of texas no but i'm not mad at houston or dallas or a bunch of other places but austin is like you know it's it's a liberal enclave with uh with uh with barbecue and uh many festivals and uh it's just a good scene it's like a good i guess uh, it's a good vibe So it jumped out to me that
0: you were performing at Stateside this year. I've seen movies there before, and I think I've seen musical performances too. I haven't seen stand-up, but that feels like a good space for stand-up. It's kind of like a hybrid between a comedy club and an actual theater where you have the double-decker seating. Stateside is single level, but the seats go up at a pretty decent angle. Have you actually performed in that venue before? I
1: think I have. Is it connected to the other one? Yes, it is. It's connected to the Yeah, I have performed there, yeah.
0: Cool. So uh, what's up with your comedy in 2022? Uh, I know you've obviously put out a ton of specials over time, and that's not the only thing that you uh, do in terms of your storytelling prowess. But uh, how would you describe your comedy in this current year? Uh,
1: Medium funny. Medium funny. (laughs) I would describe it as, uh, well, I did the show. The show I'm doing in in Austin is called Unacceptable, and it's kind of about the... It's, it's a there's a bit of a narrative and it's kind of just about how I don't exactly fit in anywhere. Like I'm not that, you know, they, in show business, incomparable is one of those. Um, it's like, uh, they'll say incomparable about someone that they don't know what else to say about them. Like the incomparable Patty LuPone or like just people you're kind of like, what? But I don't have a lot of my like experience in in showbiz has been kind of odd and also like i'm single 48 not married no kids uh straight um like when a bad liberal uh <laughs> what um, mean by bad liberal just i'm not like i'm not bad opposed to guns i just like i have a different take on gun violence than most people um and like Racially, I have more black friends than most white people. Uh, just there's just a lot of like ways in which I don't exactly um fit the mold. So, so that's kind of what it's kind of exploring the isolation of that.
0: So, you're of esoteric, which I've also been described as in the past. And when you hear the word esoteric, you're like, oh, that's really cool. Then you look up the definition and it's like, oh, you're really creative, but only truly understood by a very small percentage of your audience. So you feel like you have a little bit of esoteric I going on.
1: Yeah. I, I knew, I knew what you meant. I knew it wasn't a compliment. Um, I knew. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I'm so, esot- some things I do are esoteric. I think because I'm not, I don't have like wacky energy. I think people yeah. assume that it's, it's dry or something, but it's not. I got dogs I got dog jokes I got women and men jokes I got you know what I mean like um uh I got I got you know plenty of silly I've I've been known to have sex with the stool from time to time it's a pretty wet show so you know you don't don't put that that esoteric on me sir well, you know what? Your comedy is not your only outlet
0: either. You are a, a renaissance man with regards to your storytelling abilities. You obviously have a really good podcast now. You've done plenty of the, in the way of filmmaking in the past. And just uh, scrolling through your Twitter timeline earlier today and preparing for this interview, because that's how we prepare for interviews in 2022, Neil. I saw you really pumping hastily, the movie called- Hastily and hastily and shallow, shallowly. Exactly, but I did find something that uh, stuck out to me because I've really enjoyed a number of your film works in the past. You said a movie that you watched called "The Worst Person in the World" is one of your favorite movies ever. What the heck is that? I've never even heard of it before. And why did you like uh, it so much? It was
1: nominated for best foreign film. Okay, Trey, expand your horizons. Well, how dare uh, I? You're, how dare I? You're not. Turns out you're not esoteric enough. Uh, <laughs> it was. It was very uh, uh, Woody Allen. It was Annie Hall. You yeah, know, everyone everyone wants to remake Annie Hall. Uh, just filmmakers are always constant. I mean, Aziz's show was kind of Annie Hall, um, and this one actually did it. Uh, in terms of you try to take an intelligent point of view generally, and then put it put a bunch of cool frameworks around it. Like Annie Hall's got like sketches in it. It's got an animated sequence, just got a bunch of different stuff. And this movie uh, was similar in that way. So is that one of your keys to telling a good story is keeping people on their toes then? I mean, I think it's, it's uh somebody at work one time said that, you know, we were doing a show and he's like, this should be like a joke dispenser. Hmm. So whatever the best format is for telling the joke or communicating the message or whatever like that's what that's what should be done because anything else is just going to be it's not going to feel quite quite correct
0: So unfortunately, the worst person in the world, whether or not it won an Oscar this year, is overshadowed by the big event that involved one of your good friends, Chris Rock, somebody that you've worked with before, with somebody else that you've worked with before, Will Smith. Both guys took part in the documentary series that you did for Jay Z's 4:44, exploring the psychological depths of a, a number of men and the questions that were raised based on your listening to Jay Z's album, what did you make of uh, what happened between those two guys that night?
1: Um, I I thank you for asking. I'm kidding. Uh, um, the uh, uh, it was a sad. It was sad. It was just yeah. a total. It was a total failure uh of of uh it was a total failure it was a uh impulsive weak moment uh on the part of will and it was just it was it was uh stunk
0: for you as somebody who has stood up on stage and said some pretty offensive things have you ever had something close like that happen to you or somebody's trying to come up on stage to confront you about something that they found offensive
1: nobody's come up on stage i mean um i think i mean my worry now is someone's going to come up on stage and get get hurt because those mic stands are lethal just for anyone listening (laughs) just so you know it's like a 30 pound base and someone could just club you over the head with it just putting that out there um The no one's come up on stage. I've had people, you know, I've had people yell. I've had people boo. I've had people, you know, but I haven't had anyone approach the approach the bench as it were. Is there anything considering the
0: sensitivity of these times, is there anything that you were doing 10, 15, 20 years ago comedy wise that you will no longer include in your act just because you just don't care to fire people up on that topic?
1: I have a joke where I say, I mean, I did it. I think I did it on Comedy Central where I say uh, the F word, Uh, the the, uh, gay slur F word. Now I'm saying it as people are calling me it. Mm. Clearly I'm not, it's like their homophobia. Do you know what I mean? Um, Yeah. But what I've noticed is some I, I will do it once a year to see how it does. <laughs> like as a temperature test where I'll be like, let's see how this one does. And it does about 15% worse every year. And I'm the I'm the F-word in this joke. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, yeah, it's it is so it's not like a matter of some things are I just don't care to like. I'm putting it all, I'm risking every, all of my chips are in on this, on saying this word or expressing this idea. Um, It's nothing, I mean, I can't think of anything uh, that's worth saying that would be risking, that would be worth risking my entire career. I mean, obviously, like, if it were, you know, About freedom or defending some like there are things that are worth ending your career for, but like they're I'm probably not going to have to do them on stage. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Well,
0: especially when even rational people are having a hard time pointing out, look, context does matter here. So for your example, you're attributing that word to somebody
1: else to make make a larger point.
0: And I don't know Uh, if you've already by the
1: promise you've already lost. Right, exactly. Like you, you've already said too many. It's already like the it's the way these places, the the way the place these things get adjudicated is on Twitter, and they're not looking for an innocent uh, verdict. You're, they're looking for a guilty verdict. There's more clicks in guilty verdicts than there are in innocent. So, so you're already once you, the trial is the conviction. Hmm. Even if you, it's like the correction is always tiny relative to the headline. Like, even if you're found correct, they'll be like, yeah, but still no one's going to go, oh, I was totally wrong about that. My appraisal of that situation. They'll go like, you know, like they'll just go, yeah, but still, I think it was wrong. They they'll never they'll never acquiesce to uh, to say like that they were wrong about you. They'll still
0: only acknowledge the five words that were under that microscope versus panning out to the entire paragraph or the entirety of what somebody was saying to have a a better grasp of of the point that they were making in that moment.
1: Yeah, because they don't want, they don't, there's more blood, there's more uh, adrenaline, there's more money in attack. So, so the so I don't think it's now having said that, I'm not walking around going like there's I go on stage and I can't even express myself like that's not I'm good. I, I don't mind the guardrails. Like it doesn't, I don't feel limited by them. I think it's like, uh, it's like lasers to a bank robber. It's just more, it's more, uh, the level difficulty is higher and therefore if you can land it. It's pretty cool. So sometimes you
0: feel the need to go Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible. Where you're balancing yourself off the ground and catching beads of sweat coming off your. If the,
1: yeah, if the if the, yeah, it's it's funnier. If it's if it's a if it's worth the if it's worth the it's not even a risk because in the end, you've you've landed the trick. So, it's it's more just like is this a fun frame in which to discuss this idea or whatever.
0: I think that the yonder bags that have become pretty popular over the last few years have really helped comedians to feel a little bit more comfortable going those sorts of places
1: too. Yeah. Yes. And no. I mean, I think, I think it's, those are more than anything. I think those things are good for making the audience focus. True. Um,
0: But I think it, I, but I think it also allows a comedian to take a seemingly offensive concept and work it out without having to worry about an Avenue that they're exploring all of a sudden shutting that joke down altogether because they hadn't quite figured out how to approach it in the proper manner just yet. You know? Yeah. But
1: I've seen people get, get articles written about them based on even at a yonder bag show.
0: Hmm.
1: Wow. Like I, I've seen Dave get like, he said this and that and like, and it was at a bag show. And if a journalist is there, they'll just write it down or, you know, like, um, so it's not foolproof. I mean, people can't record. So that's that's positive in terms of um, copyright shit and 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 like not having the recording out there. But but they could still write. You up. Neil, it felt to me like everybody who was trying to go
0: after Chappelle over his most recent comedy special didn't actually watch the supposed moment that everybody was up in arms about. What do you think of uh some folks in society trying to cancel Dave Chappelle in the last six months or so?
1: I mean, I don't what are they gonna cancel? That's the thing with all the I mean, even the idea that they're trying to cancel Dave or Joe or any of these people it's like they're all doing arenas, so they're not it's a it's a false. I think it's false of people to even use the word cancel. Mm. Like you just going, they tried to cancel Dave. No, they didn't. One one uh, person at Netflix complained, and and uh, my thing with all this stuff is like, you know, comedians are all doing arenas now, and with more eyeballs comes more. Uh, sc- it's literally more scrutiny, and people aren't gonna, you know, applaud everything you say and And they're the same way that you can do a stand-up special or a stand-up joke or a stand-up set to uh, speak your point of view. Other people can tweet, and if yours is legitimate, theirs is also legitimate. So I don't think that he was trying to get he was getting canceled any more than he was canceling trans people. It's communication. you know, they weren't saying take his money. They weren't saying, uh, he should lose the endorsements. He doesn't have any because he doesn't want them, because he doesn't want to lose them, because he wants to be able to speak freely. I think I would just I would just want my comedy, brothers and sisters, to be more clear-eyed about what it is. It's like you're you speak, and then other people can speak, and you have to reconcile both points of view. You don't have to like it, but you just you this idea that someone's under attack and another person isn't is not just it's false to me
0: you know what you have my promise i'm not going to use the word cancel anymore but you're right it is important that we have these conversations when we're at a time where it's very easy to say ugly things to somebody else and hide behind whatever social media handle and it's important to have these conversations like you just said not because you're, it's necessarily going to change your viewpoint neil but maybe you can walk away from that conversation with a bit of empathy as to why that person feels a certain way that they do that you didn't understand
1: before yeah i'm not again i don't i thought both points were valid i thought whatever dave wanted to say is valid and whatever the his his um for lack of a better word opponents had to say is also valid like i'm not you know anyone you're talking to a guy who's spent the last 30 years arguing with dave Chappelle. So I'm don't, I don't, I'm a little sympathetic to people that are going to argue with them because I've, I've been doing it since 1992. Uh, And, and it's kind of what the TV show was. Um, The TV show, it's like Chabelle's described the TV show as a 7,000 arguments to make 30 sketches. (laughs) So like, I don't, it's like fine. That's. I think there's a, there's a lot of, there's, that's where the material is. Like, that's where the, uh, again, it, you know, if you have a good point, then, then you shouldn't worry about arguing it publicly. What's the biggest argument y'all have gotten on? I mean, it's all, it's none of it are like, none of it's like voting rights. It's never like that clear. It's just a bit, it's just a bit like, nah, I don't know about that. Or <laughs> I don't know about, you know, it's like, um, but then one of my favorites, actually, I'll tell you, is I always thought Bill Cosby was an asshole. <laughs> well, I think and you were right about that I one. I was so right, so right. And I and then I argued with a girlfriend about him, who knew him, and I was like, not a good guy. I'm telling you, not a good guy. And then all of his stuff came out, and I was like, called everybody. I was like, oh boy, was I right. I knew he wasn't a good guy because I met him one time and he was not a good guy. Oh, wow. See, I felt that. But I knew on site that he wasn't a good guy. And then I spoke to him one time at the Arsenio Hall show because I'm a million years old and he was not a good guy. Well, was there just an arrogance that he was carrying himself with? Yeah. yeah, He was, he was, I always knew he was arrogant. He reminded me of my dad, honestly, Um, uh, narcissist and, you know, abusive. So it was like, oh, I know this. I know this. Heat signature. Interesting. All right,
0: last last question, Neil. There are several white whale questions that I've been chasing for much of my adult life, and you had asked
1: Chris and Will and Dave, right? Correct.
0: Exactly. You had a uh, a direct connection to one of these questions. I feel it was like ten or fifteen years ago that I read that what ended up being made for Half-Baked was not necessarily the initial vision that you and Dave had for that movie. Initially, you wanted the movie to be more of a dark comedy, which is actually something that really appeals to me. I love dark comedies. And I've been fascinated ever since then to know what exactly it was that you guys wanted to do with that movie before the studio decided to to yuck it up to try and turn it into more of a sophomore stoner comedy. It wasn't,
1: I mean, you know, some of it was the our own fault. Like the writing is sophomoric in a lot of places. Um, the, But more tone, performance, look, style. Like there are moments of style that are like really, there's about 13 to 15 minutes of the movie and I'm like, this is a cool. It's like these guys would go on to do something good. Mm. Uh, but then there's just moments that are, that are writing that are like, maybe wouldn't have been so broad if it wasn't so bright, you know what I mean? Uh, if it wasn't so bright looking and so like colorful, there were um, like car-
0: cartoonish sound effects put in place
1: at times where I felt like that, that may have been something. Yeah. But like the y'all. Batman wipe is funny. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? True. Like, that's a great idea. That's there are things like that, that I really like. And there's and then like the chi- the amount of money on the date is a great joke, mm-hmm. uh, like the click the countdown, um and then the Sir Smoke a lot and Dave interaction is great, and then there's parts that are just not great, so so like you know it, it, it again, um the it it's a matter of uh. It's the style. And we were so young, we're 23. So, so we didn't know. I mean, but like, we didn't know what to fight for, what to, what was happening half the time. Um, but there's enough funny stuff in it that it, it's, you know, I still make it, uh, uh, little money every year. So so was the studio steering you guys in the direction that
0: it ended up in, though? Or is that, you're saying that was nefarious? It's just they
1: wanted, you know, it's like, they wanted, the producer did, did Adam Sandler movies. So he wanted it to be happy Gilmore and Billy Madison mm-hmm. and the, and Tamara had directed Tamara, who directed half-baked also directed Billy Madison. So, and CB4. So like, you know, that's just what it was. And like, I'm not, it wasn't like, like they tricked us or it's nothing nefarious. It's just, those things are really um. I always say when friends are going to do a movie, I go, you know, it's like that, giant ball in Raiders of the Lost Ark, and you have to keep your hand on it every because once you let go, it's 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 coming at you. Right. Um, but keeping your hand on a giant ball for six months is uh very draining. So you know it's it uh, so it's 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 a it takes a ton of focus to be able to take that on that system.
0: Is there any truth to the rumor that one of the original endings had Dave jumping off the bridge rather than throwing the joint off the bridge? Because that would have been is that not,
1: not in the movie. <laughs> no. <Nope. laughs> uh, there it is. I I swear to God, I haven't seen it in 25 years. So good. For oh, you. no, the ending is not as much as I love. I love pussy, Right. Uh, yeah, that's there was one where he jumped, where he jumped off the bridge. And he said, hold on, weed, I'm coming, which um, makes me laugh to this day. And I'll leave you with this. The hardest I've ever laughed was one of the hardest moments I've ever laughed in my life. And it actually really hurt Dave's feelings was the cold open for the Tyrone Biggum sketch and Chappelle show. Uh, Dave's running with money. It's in the it's in the sketch um, in like the credit sequence. Uh, he's running I think he's holding a bag of money whatever but he slipped and fell and like, sli- like fell on his face face first and slid like far and there's nothing funnier than watching your friends fall anyway let alone when he's in character as a cartoon crackhead and uh, he may have said in my head he said hold on crack I'm coming that seems impossible, but that's in my head. That's what he was yelling. And I laughed really hard for like a long time. And he didn't talk to me for like an hour because he was hurt. <laughs>
0: I would have to go back and rewatch that sketch tonight. He is Neil, Neil Brennan, comedian, writer, and director and taking part in this year's Moon Tower Comedy Fest. It's actually been rebranded Moon Tower just for laughs. You can still go to MoontowerComedyFest.com for tickets for any of the shows, April 21st, 22nd, or 23rd at the Stateside Theater. And go to NeilBrennan.com to find out more about M- Neil's comedy, the tour, the podcast, and so much more. Neil, thank you so much for the time today, man. Been, been hey, a real too, pleasure. Man. Thanks for having me, bro. Thanks to Gentleman Jesus for the intro and outro music. Hear more of his work at GentlemanJesus.com. Thank you to Joshua Bates for the video editing. If you have any video editing needs, hit him up on Instagram at ForagerDigital. And of course, thanks to you for checking us out. You can watch, listen, learn, and connect for free at BooksOnPod.com. For Books on Pod, I'm Trey Elling. Good day.